Greetings and welcome to Inside Baseball with Old Chestnut. I'm Liam Allen with more sex. How you doing, pal? I'm doing great, and uh, it's so good to see you. Likewise, I, I couldn't. I couldn't wait to get started. You know, um, I want, can I go um, off the reservation just for a second? Sure. So, so for an Inside Baseball with Old Chestnut hat, here's the question. The la the song Liam just played, okay. Which concert was that played at that I went to, and who was I there at that concert with at that time? <laughs> if you get both of those right, you get a hat. That's a layup. Anyone that listens to the show should get that. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> let's, let's see. Let's, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. How about, we'll see. How about if we li li limit it to the first three? Easy. Easy. Okay, okay. Just because I'm feeling generous okay. today, and we, okay. we got a little money in the marketing budget after last week's debacle. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, we're going to get right down to business, right? Absolutely, yes. We'll do so, the housekeeping after, but yeah, we got yeah. we got good questions from listeners, which we really appreciate. And so the guys that take the time to write in a well thought out question and put it on the website with their name attached, I am going to answer and do my best to get Morris to talk about that stuff because I think you guys deserve it. MB agrees. So first we want to talk about the two-year because Morris starts his day with the two-year. And I know people want to know, well, what does he do after that? Like, so you look at the two-year and then what? So that, you know, some of these guys are better hosts than I am and they ask better questions. So let's just start there. Let's start with the two-year because it has moved this week and that's where you start your day Go ahead, my friend. So, so first of all, there are are no better hosts. I, I just want to make that clear. But yes, uh, the the two year note is something that has been with me throughout my entire professional career, and it, in some ways, maybe it's idiosyncratic. But uh, you know, everyone has to develop their own style. And so, why do I pick the two year note? Okay. Well, uh, first of all, my training has always been in treasuries, in the treasury market from, you know, not part-time, but my first full-time job all the way through has been treasuries. And so you, you get to really drill down on uh, an approach to look at the market. What I like or love about treasuries is it's pure cash flows, meaning it's U.S. debt denominated in U.S. currency. So in theory, it's a riskless asset, right? Because they yep. can always print the money. I mean, there's accounting things they got to do, but the bonds are going to get paid off. So you get mm -hmm. to look at uniform cash flows. Unlike other products where there's a credit element or uh, a price earnings multiple or a prepayment assumption. The, the treasury market, it's very standard. It's issued, there's uh, procedures that are followed about how the, the note or bond is issued. There's semi-annual coupon payments and there's a principal payment upon uh, maturity. And therefore, one cash flow is like another cash flow. So you remove a whole bunch of uncertainty about how to compare apples to apples. And so my training, I started at Continental Bank where I got put through the different departments. And this is a little bit of a long-winded thing, but it, it feeds into a couple of these questions people have asked. So the advantage I had of starting with the bank is um, they train you in the nuances of all these things. So for instance, I did a cycle through a uh, commercial paper department and I did a cycle through government agencies and I did a cycle through municipal finance mm -hmm. and you know, it was a six or nine month program. And then afterwards, based on how you did, and who liked you, you got placed in a different department. But I mentioned the commercial paper department first, because commercial paper 
you know, if I recall, certainly less than a year. And the bulk of the stuff is inside of 90 days. So all of a sudden, all of these little nuances about settlement, day count calculation, maturity. What, what do I mean by that? Well, you know, depending on the instrument, it could be calculated on a yield of 30 over 360, actual over 360, actual over 365. Um, agencies have different day counts. So, you know, most people dismiss it and say it doesn't matter. But if you're trading a federal agency, say Fannie Mae, uh, and keep in mind, I'm not going to get this all right, but give me some latitude. So in February, unless it's a leap year, there's 28 days. But depending on the security, the yield may get calculated instead of actual over 365 or 360, it's 30 over 365. Yeah, yeah. So if you buy the security and it settles on the, the 27th, you might get a couple of extra days of interest. Mm -hmm, okay. Mm -hmm. So once again, big picture, no one's really going to give a shit. Same thing. If you have a, uh, a two year note that matures on a Saturday, that is Memorial day. So Monday's <laughs> yeah, off. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so now, you know, little MB, 23 years old is getting out the calculator because they're testing you on this stuff. And wow. so you can see already, right. In, yeah, in, yeah. In, in, to a stock guy, they, they wave you off like this, like who could give a fuck. And you know what? I, now it's 62. Yeah. I, yeah. But when you're sitting on 10,000 positions and 30, $40 billion worth of bonds, these things that it, It'll leave a mark, right? So, Absolutely. so I, I get that's why, you know, I think the training that I had was very good. And so I moved from. And by the way, we're still talking about the two-year note. Yeah, yeah, I know, okay. I know. So, so uh, Continental Bank has a financial crisis, and lucky for me, I get a job at this prestigious U.S. Treasury dealer called RBG Lanston and Company, owned by the Eccles family, which we've mm -hmm. discussed before. And the guy running the place is this tall, lanky guy named Jack Freeman. And just a larger-than-life reputation. But when I got to work and spent time with him, very introverted, quiet, you know, kind of kept to himself. And he would come in in the morning, and he would say to the repo trader, you know, hey, Brucey, how did funds go out last night? And so what he's referring to is the federal funds rate. So yeah. back in those days, the Fed targeted reserves, and you had big swings in the federal funds rate. So today, the federal funds rate is 2.5%. I don't even look and see where it trades, because that's where they sort of pin the rate, and they let everything else move around that. But back when... I was getting started. The funds rate could move quite dramatically. From what? What and, would the range? What would the range be? Well, on most days, it might only be four or five basis points. But on settlement date, you know, like statement settlement date for the banks, it it could go out at fifty percent, or it could go out at zero, wow. because in the end, they were trying to hit an average or a target, and so if they needed three more million dollars. It didn't yep. matter what rate they had to pay. They didn't want to go to the discount window because that was a sign that they were having financial trouble. Yep, so yep. they would pay wow. up whatever rate they did. And on the other hand, if you got caught with excess reserves, okay, if you could sell them for one basis point, at least you got something. Yeah. So, so it, towards the end of the two-week maintenance period, I think they called it, you would get these massive swings. So keeping in mind, Aubrey Lanston was a short market shop. Here is this guy that I'm trying to learn from, right? And 
every morning he would come in and say, like I said, Brucey, how'd funds go out? And the repo trader would uh, tell him, you know, they went off, went out a little soft. They went out a little firm. Money market feels like it's a little short of funds. Might be a little long of funds. Anyway, Jack would then go sit down uh, at the desk with his half glasses on, very similar to what I have here. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, he'd pick up the Financial Times and he, he'd start reading. And so I'm kind of new and, and I'm the long bond trader. So I'm sitting at the end of the row. And, you know, here I am. I got this exciting job at this prestigious bank, primary uh, uh, dealer. And I'm watching this big time trader like, let's go. I, I want to learn, right? And day after day, he just comes in and, hey, Bruce, how hot funds go out? And Bruce would tell him and he'd read the, the FT in the journal and then he'd go have some lunch and then he'd come back and maybe he'd close his eyes for five minutes at the desk. Probably yeah. not. But, you know, around 3, 3.30, he'd look at the two you know trader He'd say, uh, Tony, how you going home? And uh, that's another story. Tony would tell him uh, whether he was long or short, how many two-year notes. And, uh-huh. and Jack would go home. And, and this went on for, for weeks. And I'm scratching my head wondering, like, what the fuck? Where's the action? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, where's the beef, right? And one day, just like any other, all of a sudden, it's like in the movies. Like, Jack pulls down the FT just so there's a space between his glasses and the paper. And he looks at Tony, the two-year note trader, and he says, Tony, at 22, buy 500 million two-year notes and buy 500 million two-year notes every plus down. So 22 just refers to the last bits of the Mm -hmm. price. Mm -hmm. And a plus is a half of a 30-second. Okay. Or to those of you who are good in math, um, uh, a 64th. Okay. Um, and I look at this thing and it's like, what the fuck? I mean, f- 1984, yeah. 500 million two units, every plus. Wow. So, so like the next thing I know, we've got like 4 billion two-year notes, which is uh, four times in- three – I think that's $12 million a tick. Jesus. Okay. And this is 1984, right? Where 12 million used to mean something, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, we built this position. Yeah. And then it goes against us a little bit while we're building the position. And then one day the thing just stopped going down. And then the next day it started going up. And it, it went up for like six months. And and he fucking crushed it. I think it was an eighty or hundred million dollar profit back then. And and so now look, a very impressionable young man, right? What happens? This incredible trader comes in every morning, says, How do funds go out? And he focuses on the two year. Well, now I know. <laughs> now I know what to do. <laughs> now I know what to do, right? And um Jeez. it's not obvious. It's not going to be obvious to people, so I'll I'll, I'll go through and I'll explain it to you like yeah. you're a twelve you're like you're an eight year old right Thank okay you. yes so um, the the Fed controls really one rate which is the overnight rate mm-hmm. okay so um, other than that the market goes where the market wants to go I mean I know there's quantitative easing quantitative timing but we're speaking in you know, yep. two-year notes for idiots, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I look at the two-year note in the morning, and today the uh, two-year note was, call it a 327, okay? And the funds rate is two and a half. So if I do the math right, the two-year note 77 basis points higher in yield. Yep. Yep. Okay, and just to make sure, because like you know, I'm no good at math. So 3.27 less 2.5 is uh, 77. Okay, yeah. okay. So what I had learned from watching Jack Freeman trade was 
the two-year note trades in a range. And that range is based on expectation for the Fed. So if you think the Fed is going to be hiking rates, quick quiz, what's the one rate the Fed can control? The Fed funds rate, right? So as they jack up the Fed funds rate, it's going to cheapen the securities around it. Yep. And it's not going to do a whole lot to the 30-year bond. It's not going to do much to the 10-year. But as you get closer, it has a bigger impact, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So when I look at a 77 basis point spread with two years being cheap, i.e. higher yield to the funds rate, I know without reading anything in the newspaper that the market's pricing in a Fed tightening. In my world, in my experience, the two-year note trades anywhere from 200 basis points cheap to the Fed funds rate to maybe 100 basis points through the funds rate. Now, now 300 basis points, it's, that's an infinite spread. Mm-hmm. But, but to quote one of these guys I like, I can't tell you whether it's July or August, but I can tell you if it's July or, or, or February. Yep, okay. yep. I remember you so, saying that. Yep. So when I look at that spread, and I know we're in a tight, tightening environment, I'm s- starting to get an idea or a range of how much has the market priced in the Fed move. Or not. And then I can, as my day goes on with those numbers in the back of my head, I can start to look at other securities and start to come to some conclusions about, you know, how I think things are going to go. Now, you know, spoiler alert, I'm no good at picking stocks and um, I'm never going to be. But you can look at historical relationships and it's very clear that there's a relationship between general level of rates and price earnings ratios. There's also a pretty good correlation in history of inflation and price earnings ratios. Okay. So now that I know the yield on the two year note, and I have a sense of which direction the market's going, okay, I can start to determine whether I think stocks are cheap or rich, whether the bond market is cheap or rich. And so I start with the two-year note, then I build out to the three-year note mm-hmm. and the five-year note because these things all trade on spreads. And then I work my way out to the, the the 30 year bond. Okay. Now that's just MB sitting down, drinking his coffee, doing the morning routine, right? A great question that got asked was, and I like I'm 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 delighted because I can tie it into the two-year note. How does an institutional trader run a book? Okay. So um, you know, I thought a lot about this because uh, there's the quick, easy sort of answer, and then there's the one that, you know, it's taken me a lifetime to learn. And uh, we have such a diverse audience. I, I don't want to go too deep in the woods because people won't care. that <laughs> They'll be going to last week's episode to re-listen to the first show. <laughs> but... Um, let me talk about how I got going mm-hmm. legitimately and uh, give a general overview and then people can ask questions later. But so, yeah, yeah, yeah. so what, what would happen would be uh, when I went to work for the French grain company, I got assigned like the last thing anyone wanted to trade, which was the five year note future on the cotton exchange. Mm-hmm. Nobody wanted it. Nobody traded it. Here, new kid, you go do it. And so 
what I did was I figured out how the futures contracts worked, and I I I made it my responsibility to know every element of the contract specification. Every time there was a trade that got done, they called me from the floor and I compared it to the cash instruments. And so over time, as I got familiar with how these things worked, I would build out a curve from, well, literally starting at the two-year and working out 30 years. But as I dialed it in to trade five-year futures, I would have a curve that would start maybe a year before the five-year contract and a year after the five-year contract. So the five-year contract has certain issues which are deliverable, okay? And in those days, I think the shortest maturity could be four and a quarter years, and the longest maturity could be either five years and two months or five years and three months, something like that. Okay. So you're talking about a deliverable window that's very narrow, right? It's a year. But because, you know, it, you, you want to have enough space or duration to get a true curve, I, I went to three years and mm-hmm, I went mm-hmm. to, let's say, six years. Okay. okay. So I would have my own little curve that was, you know, simple-minded MB, because remember, bad at math, victim of a public school education, couldn't do calculus. But I I figured out that. And so I would come in in the morning and the futures would trade. And I would look at the difference between all of the the notes Mm -hmm. that were in that window of deliverability and then I would look at the notes that were a little bit shorter and a little bit longer. So I had a finite number of securities that I needed to be familiar with. Right. Interesting, yeah. And once again, each of these securities are 99% identical, right? They're U.S. Treasury securities. Okay. But in that time, there were a couple of little things that were different. So for reasons lost to history, Five-year notes used to be issued as five-year, two-month notes. Yeah, exactly. Okay. It's got it has something to do with Social Security payments. That's what they told me. That's my okay. story. I'm sticking to it. Okay. Understood. But it fucks up the yield calculation because it's not a five-year semi-annual. It's a five-year. Yeah. Okay. Now going back to my example of being on the commercial paper desk, where each of these securities had a different day count. Okay. Well, so the same thing is now happening in the five year. Okay. But because I had been trained in understanding the yield and, you know, I'm the new kid, no one's talking to me. I got my little shitty area to trade that no one wants. I I just kind of dug in the rabbit hole. And then later I found, and I think I've mentioned this before, for those of you who are Bloomberg uh, subscribers like the the machine, whatever you call that terminal, y- you can go into uh, the yield calculator, the YA, and I don't know if it's this way anymore. But back when I was doing it, there'd be different kinds of yield calculations, and so most people look at the first one, which we which would be called the street convention yield. Okay, but down near the bottom, there would be a a yield called treasury yield. Those two yields were off slightly. And it's because of this two-month differential, okay? So what I discovered was the two-year, excuse me, the five-year two-month note, that yield discrepancy meant if you bought the five-year notes in the auction and took delivery from the treasury. Okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You bought them slightly cheaper than this, than you would buy them based on the street yield. So, okay. So I'm knuckling around doing this thing and uh, I'm making a little money because 
now there's eight issues that I have to watch, let's say, that trade against this futures contract. And I'm yeah, yeah, getting yeah. pretty dialed in about learning like, well, this thing should trade here. And because and, and, I had my opinion on stuff, right? So yeah, yeah. If, if somebody came in and wanted to sell five, you know, futures, I would give them a bid. And then if they sold them to me, I would look on my little theoretical curve and I would find something that looked expensive. And I I would sell that. And I would do that until my short got so big, I got uncomfortable and I would move along. Or conversely, if someone came in to buy something, I would put a price, sell them to them. And then I would go in and I would find the the cheapest thing. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. so this is the beginning of... MB Sachs institutional trader. Okay. A quick aside, the story everyone likes to hear is how, you know, the, the phone rings one day, I pick it up, guy wants 500 million, five year no contracts, sell them, boom, 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 do this goes on and on and on and on and on. Stock market crashes, bonds explode. The guy who bought all those futures from me turns out to be Paul Jones. Right. Mm -hmm. And the rest is, you know, Mm -hmm. puppy dog tails and unicorns and rainbows. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's the beginning of this institutional approach. So um, what happened over time would be uh, I started. Well, first of all, once I figured out I could make a lot of money at this and I figured out they didn't like me where I was. (laughs) Guess what happened? <laughs> I found a place that wanted a guy just like me. Imagine that. Yeah. So now I started applying my craft mm-hmm. to not just five-year futures, but 10-year futures and bond futures. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So um, keep in mind, I know, first of all, I'm trying to make this sound a little goofy, but this was deadly serious to me. I'm right? sure. I mean, this yeah, is my fucking life. Absolutely, yeah. And um, for as simple as it may sound now, or whatever, they didn't. There weren't books. Like you didn't go buy a book on how to do this, yeah, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. People didn't even want to talk about it because they didn't want anyone else getting in the of way course, of doing the trade. Of course, because you're not telling Liam Allen at the desk next no. to you. No, 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 no. In fact, yeah. when this thing drops, there's going to be a price on my head. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. That's so cool. Oh, that's um, so cool. So I, I don't know how far down the rabbit hole you want to go on this thing, but, you know, that's, uh, I'll keep going, but that's sort of the yeah. first cut, meaning I picked an area that I was going to be the expert at. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. And, and, you know, my biggest complaint, I'm a huge fan. Of a, of a few people, right? I'm not going to mention any names, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. my criticism of these people isn't they're not smart, they're not hardworking, they're not, they're, there's too many notes. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> there's just, you're just doing too many things. And I mean, you know, when I get a mental image of how I used to run the desk at Greenwich Capital, even though we had preferred financing and unlimited leverage and they just handed us the money that 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 aside yeah that aside i remember taking the family uh actually rephrase cheryl decided we were taking the family to alaska Mm -hmm. and you know fine i'll go right but one of the places we go is this old fucking copper mine and so we hiked it's a three or four hour hike to the top to the copper mine and it's completely dilapidated and all that. And, but you know, I see this process of what these guys were doing. And so there's a copper mine at the top of this hill. And so they go in and they blast and they get these big chunks of ore and they put it in a bucket on a cable and the, and the weight carries it down the hill. And then they keep smashing that rock into smaller and smaller and smaller pieces. And to the point that at the, at the very end, there was like a table 
at like 45 degrees, which would shake. And the little copper bits would just fucking drop yeah. down, drop down, and they'd go right, right into a bucket. Yeah, the screener. And, yeah. yeah. And yeah. then the, loom, the rest, the, loom, the rest, yeah. the rest of the stuff they just throw over yeah. there. And so to me, I I felt like we had this mining operation. And I would come in in the morning and I would say to the repo trader, hey, so-and-so, how did funds go out? And yeah. he would say, hang on. And he would call the broker and he, mm-hmm. he would tell me. And this goes on for about a year. Mm-hmm. Every day I come in and I say, hey, so-and-so, how did funds go out? And he would say, hang on, let me ask the broker. And, and I, so I said to EG, I said, what do you think? It's been a year. I've been asking him this every morning. And he's like, I don't know, doc. Yeah. I said, you think he'd fucking know to come call in ahead. in the morning? <laughs> Put that call in. Yeah. Yeah. So, so did I really need to know what, where funds went out? No, yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah. it's like, yeah. it was like my thing, like mm-hmm. no red pens. There's no red pens. I know. There may I not. Know. There may be one red pen in the house here. I believe here. you. I and, know. And that and that's only because Cheryl probably marking up the kids' <laughs> homework, <laughs> right? I know. So I would come in and and I would yeah. have my yeah, my yeah, desk yeah. my desk of guys and you know Sevy would be Mister Two Year Note out to the threes and then yeah. E.G. and I would be three and a half years. And out, we didn't really do much in bonds, but out to the ten-year note. And so during the day, EG'd be sitting there, or Sevy'd be sitting there. These things would be going back and forth. Somebody would be looking at the the four and a quarter-year note, a retail guy, and he'd buy a huge block, and they'd go up, be a little bit expensive on the curve, and. Uh, We'd sell them a block of those, and then he'd go in and buy some five-year futures, or, or you know something else equivalent cheap, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that was our mind every day. We went in there and just fucking stared at the screens, watched all these issues trade, and and not just so focused on each issue each second, but more like how are these issues moving. In relation to one another, what are the financing rates doing? What's the expectation for the Fed? How will the Fed move affect the shape of the curve? How yep. will the Fed move affect volatility? And yep. so, I wanted to say this right away, but I I, I felt it was better to wait because mm-hmm. I think it'll it'll mean more now. So, um, this is the question that is sort of implied but not asked. So I was an institutional trader for a zillion years. And and, and I, I checked with Cheryl to verify this because, you know, talk about someone who doesn't care. Just, just <laughs> I said, uh, I said, when I was working legit, would you say I worked 18 hours a day, five days a week? And she would say, no. She said, uh, you worked 18 hours Monday to Friday. Then you worked four or five hours on Saturday and probably a solid six on Sunday. And even when you would go away on vacation, you would talk to the office with some mm-hmm. regularity. Mm-hmm. And I, I could tell that you were constantly thinking. So now you have this institutional trader where people read about, oh, this guy made a million dollars, this guy made five million, this guy made 10 million. And I don't know what their methodology was. Right, right, okay? right. But mine was, you know, I'm going to be the big fish in the small pond and I'm going to be fucking laser focused on this thing. And so that's the very broad brush of it. So one of the questions, which I think is, is was pretty good was, you know, how does an institutional trader set up a trade? Well, I, I, I've answered that, I think. But to, to recap, for me, I picked a sector, I became an expert at it, and I mm-hmm. traded that sector. Mm-hmm. Okay. The next question is, how does the institutional trader know when to get out? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, 
you know, you, you build an expectation to give you risk reward, right? And you, you look at where you are on that risk reward spectrum. And so if you think a trade has five ticks in it and you put it on and a day later, you've made four out of five, well, I, I, I'm taking it off because you made 80% of it, right? It, it's not really a whole lot more complicated than that. Where it gets yeah. complicated is when you get the exogenous event, something blows up, and no one gives a shit that the five-year note yields X versus the three-year note. It's just like, I want these, I don't want those. Chaos ensues. And over time, I learned if you had a lot of uh, options that you owned, puts and calls, that you would get way more benefit from owning those options than you would lose on these relative value trades. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of people have come up with variations of that. I think one of the most successful guys uh, has been uh, Dalio Bridgewater where they've traded stocks against bonds. And, you know, back when I was in graduate school, uh, we had a professor and he would say the stock prices go up, the bond prices go down. It, it, was, it was no secret, you know, the economy's good, the stocks mm -hmm. do better, the economy's bad, the bonds do better, right? Okay. Yep. So Dalio figured that out and... $17 billion later, he's going to Burning Man, and uh, we're making fun of him, yet uh, I'm 16 point something short. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, I mean, do you think that's a pretty decent survey Absolutely. of those questions? Yeah. Okay. Yep. I, by the way, I'm, I'm happy to talk about this stuff all day. It's just, you know, we have a very diverse group of people who listen, and I don't want to. I don't want to spend all day talking about the same thing. But mm -hmm. to something you said. Um, so last week, if if I may, um, we tried to do the podcast on Monday because I was up in Canada. I think if I had my calendar right, mm -hmm. and I, I I just I just was out of sorts, and we got about a half hour in to the podcast. And I'm looking at Liam and I'm like, this thing fucking blows. <laughs> this just sucks. I, mean, I threw you, I'm, I threw you, I'm, I threw you off in the beginning because I had I, you I, laughing and I ruined it. I had I, I had no, him in I'm, stitches, okay? I had him I, in stitches and that ruined it. Okay? I take I take full responsibility. But but those who know me know I'm an artist and a perfectionist. Mm -hmm. No, no, this thing was just so bad. I'm like, fuck this. He was like, he, he, he gives me the throat slash, and I and I asked him like some one more like I ignored it the first time, like I didn't see it, and I tried to say, uh, uh, come on, come on, come on, nope. And he was like, no, bud, we're not doing. It. Okay, no, nah, it was just, it was just no good. You, and you were and right. You're a hundred percent right. You're 100 well, right. it's a, it's a team, but yep. um, but what I will tell you is, uh, we got. Four times the email traffic and comment traffic, and I, By far. I I'm not going to guarantee anything, but I would say life to date, anyone, anyone who, there's one exception, but anyone that's written us a legitimate question, okay, either I've posted an answer or I've emailed them back directly. I'm not, this is not 24 seven ask MB, but mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. I, I'm, yep. I'm, I, it, this is a, this is a two way street without me. There's no Liam without Liam. There's no me without you people listening. There's well, there's still me and Liam, but as an aside, um, without you guys this week, we're telling you the, the Schiller P is too high. Okay. Yeah, the Fed's yeah, going to hike yeah. and we'll see you next week. Then we yeah, did the show. Yeah, but with yeah. you guys, like we know that you enjoy it. And again, I, I'm embarrassed to say some guys have asked far better questions than I, than the, the, the things that I come up with. So guys keep up the good work and I'll keep asking yeah. them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so <laughs> I will say, I will say, um, 
Now, this is grammar. So one commenter made some comment about us putting up a cunty title of the episode, and he put it in parentheses. Was he calling us a cunt, or was he saying the behavior was cunty? I think it was an I think it was an adjective, okay, to describe okay. the title of the, okay. This, okay. I think he didn't like the snark that that might have that it might have been interpreted as snarky rather than as humorous, okay. So we did get a note from some grain trader whose little icon is a point and figure chart, which I'm not going to tell you what that is. You can look it up on your own. But that is so fucking old school. I love it. I mean, okay. I kept that fucking chart on the floor. And the guy says it's a systematic rain trader. And he listened to the whole fish concert. It's incredible. And and, and he's going to be a fan. And mm-hmm. it's going to be great. And I'm going to bump into that guy one day. We're both going to be stoned out of our mind. You know, in, in somewhere like in Maryland. I, I was going to say. That's you. That's Lake you. Tahoe. <laughs> Um, yeah, so uh, mo- moving on, there were a couple other things, uh, mm-hmm. if, if I may. Um, By all means, go ahead. Uh, we've talked about this before, but I got to bug up my ass about it. So um, I moved up to Greenwich in uh, 1987, and Greenwich is a big town, mm-hmm. but it's, it's an amalgamation of towns. Mm-hmm. So there's Greenwich, Old Greenwich. Riverside, um, Byram, mm-hmm. and um, Ro- is Co- Ro- yeah, Ro- go ahead, go ahead. No, and, no. And Cos Cobb. Cos Cobb, okay. yeah. Okay, so when Cheryl and I moved, we uh, lived at 78 River Road, Cos Cobb, Connecticut, 06807. Mm-hmm. And so I'm chumming around and I'm reading you know, disaster porn on um, Zero Hedge. Mm-hmm. And I see this article written by some guy talking about how, you know, you need to have a trading floor and you need to have people having discussions. And I'm looking at this thing and I'm like, you know, this sounds kind of familiar. And, and I, I send a note to uh, young Liam and, and he's like, what the fuck? And I'm like, yeah, what the fuck? And I go up and I look, and it's One River Asset Management. Here's where it gets interesting, okay? So I live in Greenwich, Greenwich, 06830, Mm -hmm. okay? This is One River Asset Management, Greenwich, 06807. Mm -hmm. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. No, no. 06807 is Cos Cobb. So if you look on our website, Okay, mm-hmm. you'll see. I went to their homepage and I clipped it. Okay, mm-hmm. so uh, here's the question I have because I've looked at a couple of their uh, documents that they've given the SEC. They say Greenwich on them, but they have the Coscob zip code. Mm-hmm. Is that? I know you're not a lawyer. I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm not a lawyer. I could pass as one, but I, mm-hmm. I, I'm not. Is that mm-hmm. fraud? Is that a no. financial misrep? No? No. It's a mistake? What is it? It's a gray area, all right? You're, it's, it's, I'm going to do, I'm going to play Mr. Switzerland here, and I'm going to tell you that, like, it's Greenwich, okay? This is like, I live in Astoria, Queens, okay? Or I live in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, you know, like, is that a fair anal- analogy? Maybe? Well, I wouldn't. It wouldn't be so onerous if the thing wasn't sitting under the fucking I ninety five turnpike with the fucking drain pipe. Every There's morning a, I go over it. Right? There's a drain pipe where all the fucking water from the highway collects comes down into the riprap. So yeah. that that river road, that river road, is the runoff from the highway. So all those investors. <laughs> who have invested in this Greenwich hedge fund. Yeah. Okay. I, Hey, look, all I know is this. If it were me, there'd be a knock at the door. I'd be walking out with cuffs on and the guy would have his hand on my head, putting it down. So I didn't bang it on the car door. <laughs> right. 
Uh, so where else? There was some questions about the DJ Sal uh, FT article. Yeah. You, did you read it? Did you read the article? Of course. Okay. <laughs> you think he paid to have that planted? <laughs> oh, I don't. I don't think I so. I didn't think it was. I didn't think it was overly critical. I think they did a little light criticism in the beginning, and then they backed it up with, "Oh yeah, the numbers are good. The numbers are good, but oh, it's not great." And oh, he's got time. The time is on his side. I, to, to me, it wasn't anything. I, I didn't get excited over it. I thought it was the FT kind of kind of throwing a meatball Fl- fluff piece. I, I yeah. Didn't, yeah, I thought I, I want. I wanted more. I wanted more from it. Um, yeah. Well, I you know, so we have manic depressive swings in our attitude towards Goldman. Mm-hmm. So um, the other night, uh, and I won't mention the name because mm-hmm. people don't want to hear what restaurants I eat at. <laughs> um, Cheryl and I had dinner with Leslie and Pam, mm-hmm. and uh, we were talking about uh, this and that. And um, I had mentioned, uh, you know, we had been awful harsh on Goldman over the years, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, we, uh, we kind of walked it back a bit and he thought that was, he thought that was fair. Um, the problem is I, I don't think the lezer ever worked with DJ Sal. Okay. So for someone who's trying to be a second and third order thinker, I'm reading that article and they're talking about, you know, the share price is up the top people are leaving and how is he going to reinvent the firm? And the whole time I keep asking myself, hang on five days a week times 14 hours. That's 50, 20, that's 70 hours. Did I do that right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh no. 18 hour days. So 18 yeah, hours, 50, yeah. 40, that's 90 hours yeah, Monday to Friday. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then the weekend, that's what mm-hmm. I was working, mm-hmm. right? How, how many hours is he working if he's fucking upset in the DJ booth up and, you know, he's, I just, yeah. you know, I, I don't care. It's wrong. It's yeah. wrong. It's wrong of the board of directors. It's just wrong. He's the and, chairman of the board. <laughs> Isn't that? Yeah. So uh, I'm sorry, but, you know. Uh, it, it's a funny thing. Um, you, you look at the way the old Goldman used to run. And so, uh, they would leave in, in the old days, you know, the old guys that just fade away. Right. But then, you know, they'd go be ambassador to England or under secretary of the treasury or this, that, other Everywhere. thing. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, we get a guy um, uh, from when it stopped being a partnership. I noticed that the difference when yeah, they said when it yeah, was a partnership, yeah, yeah, it was yeah, different. And yeah, then- right. So what happens? Then you get a guy who's a gold tra- gold salesman, right? <laughs> Becomes head. And so what? So what government office did he leave to go work for? All right. Um, All right. Uh, Department of Nothing. Thank you. So, so who's who can we pick who's less qualified than a gold salesman to run the firm? Hey, let's grab a guy from commercial paper. <laughs> Lloyd, Lloyd and Dave. Poor like guys. when I when I went through the training program, mm-hmm. and I was waiting for my assignment. Mm-hmm. I'm like, please God, just not municipal finance or commercial paper. <laughs> just not those two. Now you got a guy running the shop. Commercial yeah, paper guy. Yeah. yeah, look, hey, you know, it yep. maybe I missed my calling. Maybe I maybe I should have been a commercial paper guy. Because <laughs> clearly okay. I can't I can't make a fucking nickel with gold. I was gonna say stay away from the metals. You're not a commodity and, and, guy. And by the way, every every one of these highfalutin research guys I read, they're pushing gold like you Stop. can't believe. And Stop. I no, no, say listen this for to 80 me. weeks. Listen to me. Listen to me. So I write one of the guys, I'm like, hey. I think, you know, by the way, every time you write a bullish piece on gold, the price of gold gets fucking monkey hammered, right? And uh, how about you stop writing about gold? And uh, 
you know, he's pretty nice to me. And and I said it in a nicer way than that. And oddly enough, they went like two weeks without a a piece on gold. And gold starts going up. And last last Sunday, they write this thing about gold. (laughs) And I'm like, fuck me. Sunday nights and and Thursdays, right? (laughs) So Sunday night, they write this thing about there's some chart pattern. And 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 I and look, Lezer with charts, I'm in. EG with charts, I'm in. Anybody else, every ship at the bottom of an ocean has a chart on it. Okay. I like so that. that's where I'm at. Okay. Mm-hmm. EG and Leslie in my life get a pass on charts. I mean, I ask them, please tell me. Other than that, it's fucking voodoo. All right. <laughs> so this guy's talking about this chart pattern and how it's getting ready to go. They didn't monkey hammer it. <laughs> they fucking anal raped this thing. Okay. Well, yeah, and I and know. so I write the guy a note the next day and I'm like, you know, um, maybe you want to get a new gold analyst. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I got, I got kind of a nasty reply and, and, oh, and wow. so, so, you know, um, I, I want to back up a little bit sure. just to show you how I see the world, just to pretend I'm not, you know, looking back mm-hmm. with rose colored glasses. Mm-hmm. When I went to work at Aubrey Lanston, okay, 1984, right? We didn't, all we did was trade bonds. There was no corporate department. There was no M&A activity. There was no underwriting fee. There was no nothing. There was us and a bunch of phones and some computers that had like a 486 chip in them. And at the end of the year, okay, if we didn't make any money, there was no money. It wasn't like, oh, you know, the firm had a great year, so we're, or, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. M&A lost money. So it was like, if if there, it, it was math. And so right then and there, I got this thing beat into me about the, you know, if you're right, you make money, you get paid. If you're wrong, you don't make money, you don't get paid. Now, I know that the people who write these subscription things, look, it's open and notorious. Whether they trade their position or not, you can can subscribe or not. Mm -hmm, Okay. mm -hmm. But, I mean, I don't know. It's like. Hey, just point out to you, your your zipper's open, or you forgot the you forgot to close the the the, the thing for the gasoline yeah. on your yeah, car. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, of course. Yeah. Or your call on gold for the last two years sucks dick. I mean, <laughs> like you said, nobody's selling nobody's selling subscriptions saying get out. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Do we can that take that, 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 go, ahead. No, go ahead. Look, we can take all this foul stuff out in post production, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, of course. Lena, where are you? <laughs> help, help me, Lena. You're my only yeah. hope. God. Um, I got some actually some very favorable comments about the 30 minutes of fish last week. 30 minutes, it was 72. <laughs> It was oh my god! I got some work afterwards. I played I played the whole first set from Toronto. There you go. Okay, Kevin. So I played your show, Kevin. Yeah, I played the whole first set. When I walked out of the closet, I said to my wife, "I said, should I should I just play the whole show?" She goes, "Absolutely." <laughs> so I came right back in, set it up. Away we went. Is 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 fucking awesome. I you know this has been so much fun for me. Dude, there's gonna, a lot of guys. Dude, we have a sharp. We have a very sharp audience that clearly gets it. Okay, and the guys have been hilarious on Twitter. They've been hilarious with the emails. Okay, I I, I kind of cringed on Monday morning. I was like, <laughs> maybe I made a mistake. <laughs> then I opened up the emails. You know, and you, was... <laughs> so I went to bed and I woke up at like <laughs> four in the morning, and I'm like. <laughs> I'm like, you're gonna do what? <laughs> I'm gonna hit it. the I'm gonna hit the brakes. He's gonna fly on by. You're gonna do what? <laughs> right. Um, oh yeah, it's been it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun, and yes. uh, I, I I really sincerely hope people keep asking us questions about stuff. I'll do yep. the best, and Liam and I'll do the best we can. 
InsideBaseballCast at Gmail or use it's great on the guys that put their name on the stuff on the internet on on the website. That that number one, you're not fucking around, and number two, you're not hiding. Not that the, the funny names aren't aren't you know, but like that that's a that's the adult way to do it and those guys deserve an answer to their questions so if you've got good questions and you because you you hear it he'll talk about it all right so you know that now's your chance to get him to talk okay because you wouldn't have given up any of this stuff years ago okay no are you kidding me after now you you love it (laughs) after last week's being you know in in self-isolation i'm if you take away my morning coffee i'll squeal like what else you want what other top secret you want the, the launch codes I got right. <laughs> I know. No, I it, know. it it was great, and uh, um, I Thank you. you know we're almost out of time, but uh, mm-hmm. you know they beat the snot out of the two year note, I know. and uh, you know five or six weeks back, I told you I had uh, gotten to where I liked a lot of long end stuff. Mm-hmm. I didn't get really to talk about it last week. I had I had moved out about three quarters of it mm-hmm. uh which you know is idle bullshit now because i didn't give anyone a heads up in time but once again we're not trying to do market timing but uh next week since we're out of time what maybe we can do if you remind me is i'll go through and talk about again the math behind what made me want to get in mm-hmm. and then why the math when we got to it made me want to get out awesome and that way uh you can you know either try and understand it or not but it when you get right down to it a lot of this stuff well first of all none of the math is complicated you you agree with me on that right okay it spreads it 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 comes down to more of the nuance and i think for me to explain nuance, it's just going to take these repetitive meetings of you and me to go through this stuff because it's not the first time you heard me talk about Aubrey Lanston. It's not mm-hmm. the first time you heard me talk about the two-year note. Now we introduce this notion of where do two-year notes trade to Fed funds, right? Mm-hmm. Which is, yep. we probably I probably talked about it, but now I'm trying to give it more context right and mm-hmm. i talked about over between four and six years i tried to design my own little yield curve right maybe in future episodes i can talk about what did i do to design that yield curve right but mm-hmm. you know that joke i made about you know someone asks is there a book on the bond market and i'm like you know Cash Bandicoot, something like yep. does the, the things you're gonna learn. I owe him day. a hat. I owe him a hat. I got a ca- I got a hat coming to you, Cash. I didn't forget. All right, I'm a little preoccupied. My wife's gonna have a baby. I don't know, in like a couple of hours. So I've had a little bit of stuff going on. Um, by next week, there'll be uh, the sun will have arrived because no matter what, they're gonna induce her by this time next Friday. So I've got a, the countdown wow. is on. We're on wow. baby watch. Um, so. I mean, I'm like, excited. hopefully the the kid shows up on the Thursday. Okay, I take work off from Friday, Saturday, nice day with the family. Sunday we do the show. I, I'm on board. That, and you know what? If we can do it in the waiting room, if Greenwich Hospital, late. you can come on down. <laughs> what night they serve lobster there? Tuesday night. <laughs> then the, when you, the night before you get discharged. Okay, after you get the baby, they run. They come in with the lobster. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Please. I would uh, shellfish a lot. Greenwich stop, Hospital. Stop. Stop. Goodbye. <laughs> Take care, my friend. Have a good weekend. Thanks. All right. Cheers.